0: Thank you, Mike, for that prayer. I appreciate it. And Guys, if you could, I'm going to have you. Thanks. I appreciate that. I don't like to watch myself as I preach, so... They <laughs> always turn the monitor off for me. Well, I have been gone on sabbatical, and I am glad to be back. Uh, it was a wonderful time. It really was. And for those of you who may be visiting with us this morning, um, or maybe you're watching on live stream and you're not part of our church family, I was on a 10-week sabbatical, um, and I also chose, in addition to that, to take three weeks of my personal vacation. So I have been gone for three months, and uh, I've never done anything like this before. It was new. It was different. But I want you to know this morning that it was absolutely wonderful. And as I've shared with the deacons and elders, it exceeded all of my expectations. It really did. And uh, I do, even as Pastor Mike prayed, I feel renewed and refreshed and um, looking forward to the future. So glad to see us all back together in one service. What a blessing, what a delight. And I thought it would be good because of your kindness and graciousness to me to take the first two Sundays back and share with you what God taught me while I was on sabbatical. So I'm going to do that this week, the 12th, and next week, the 19th. And then on uh, September 26th, I will return to our study in the Gospel of John, which we've obviously been away away from for quite a while. So, if you would, for this first Sunday, I'm going to have you turn to Psalm 1 and verses 1 through 3. Psalm 1 and verses 1 through 3. Psalm 1 has been called the gateway to the Psalms. It is a contrast between the blessed and the wicked. And it really sets us up for all of the other There's 150 Psalms, so for all the other 149 Psalms that follow that. And the psalmist writes Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. But his delight, his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law he meditates day and night. He, he is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season and its leaf does not wither in all that he does. He prospers. We're going to come back to that in a little bit, but my first point this morning is my sabbatical. And I want to say to all of you, I am grateful beyond words. I've always read of men and women... In Christian history, who have spent these extended times in prayer. And even while I was gone, I read about how great men and women of the past have spent these long times in personal, private prayer. And one example, uh, that I reread about, I'd heard about it before, was Martin Luther during the Protestant Reformation in the 1500s. It was said of Martin Luther that he would spend two hours every day in prayer. Every morning, before he would do anything else, he would spend two hours in prayer. And he believed that was where he was able to gain the power to do what he did. And he did this with with an extensive writing and preaching schedule that he kept constantly being persecuted. And it's that personal private prayer that he believes changed his life. And I thought, and I could give many other examples, but I've always thought, "I'd, I'd like to do that. I wonder what that would be like. And so at least, to some degree, I was able to experience that. I'm going to come back to that in just a little bit, but I want to say something else first. I would like all of you to consider the possibility of having sabbatical times in your life. Times where you are alone with God for long periods of time. I believe that you can do it. Times where you set aside You plan, you schedule where you are going to be alone with God, whether you need to get away somewhere or do it at your home or whatever you do, that you spend extra, special, extended times alone with God. I hope that my sabbatical has prepared the way for our other three pastors because it is the plan in the years to come one by one that each of them will also get a sabbatical. But what I want to share with you this morning is that sabbaticals aren't just for pastors. This is for all Christians. And I know you may be thinking in your minds, well, yeah, you're a pastor. We gave you 10 weeks. I don't get that. I don't get that with my job. I don't get that with my responsibilities. And I understand that. But I want you to know a sabbatical isn't any particular set period of time a sabbatical could be for one day it could be for a weekend it could be for a week something that you have planned where you're in a special way beyond your daily devotions that you're going to spend time alone with God and you may say I just don't know if I can find time to do that but you know what we're amazing people We really are. We find time for the things we really want to do. I know people who will spend a weekend or a whole week on a hunting trip or a fishing trip. I know guys who, every winter, will go down south with other guys and they'll spend three days a week on a golf outing together. We spend hours watching movies hours watching sporting events we spend hours on social media we spend hours on our hobbies we go on trips we go on trips for a week or two weeks or more and we plan for them and folks i want you to understand all of those things are good things they're very good things everything i just mentioned they're gifts from god All I'm saying to you is just like we plan for those things, we can plan for sabbatical times in our own lives, extended times of just being alone with God. What about those of you who are retired? You have extra time. Could you take some of that time and plan, intentionally plan that you would have time, extended times alone with God? Now let me say something quickly here and, fat, excuse me, and emphatically. I'm not trying to make you feel guilty. God forbid that I would heap any more guilt on you this morning. That is not my purpose at all. All I'm saying to you is you can do it. This is for everybody. This isn't just for pastors or missionaries. It's for everybody. And There is so much joy and so much pleasure and so much peace to be found. I guess I come back wanting you to experience it, whether in small ways or bigger ways, that you would set aside these kinds of times. Now, on my sabbatical, there were many things that God taught me. But what I want to do is focus on the two main things that he taught me while I was away, two life-altering concepts. I'm going to talk about the second most important one this morning. And next week, next Sunday morning, because I'll have a little more time because we have communion this morning, I want to talk to you about the most important thing that God taught me while I was on sabbatical. And so our second point this morning is the second most important thing that God taught me while I was away, and that is extended time in prayer. God taught me that slow, careful, biblical meditation is the key to spending long periods of time in prayer. It is taking short sections of Scripture and meditating on them, praying those words to God, using those words to form our prayers to God, I believe that's the key to spending extra special long periods of time in prayer. In Psalm 1, it says, Blessed is that man, that woman, who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight, her delight is in the law of the Lord. Now watch this. And on his law, he meditates day and night. He, she, is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. We are taught throughout Scripture to meditate all day long on the word of God, to meditate day and night. And have you ever wondered, how do we do that? Sometimes I think we take those sections of scripture and treat them as if they're allegorical or symbolic. Yeah, symbolically we're supposed to like meditate on God's word all day, but no, it's it means it literally. We are to be meditating on God's word all day long. In Joshua chapter one and verse eight, Moses has died. God comes to Joshua And at the very beginning of his ministry, this is what God says to him. Do not let this book of the law depart from your mouth. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Meditate on it day and night. And if you're not convinced that we are called to meditate on God's word day and night... Read Psalm 119. It's 176 verses long. It's the longest psalm and the longest chapter in the Bible. The whole psalm, Psalm 119, is about loving the law of the Lord and meditating on it all day long. My favorite section. And one of the sections I used for biblical meditation and prayer was Psalm 119, verses 97 through, 90, through 99. The psalmist says, Oh, how I love your law. I meditate on it all day long. Your commands make me wiser than my enemies, for they are ever with me. I have more insight than all my teachers, for I meditate on your statutes. This is incredible promise that if we meditate on the word of God day and night he promises that we will be wiser than our enemies. He promises that we will have more insight than all of our teachers. Did you know it is possible for a simple man, a simple woman who meditates on the word of God to have more wisdom and insight than some person with advanced Bible college and seminary degrees? It is, because it is the word of God that makes us wise. So what I am talking about this morning is taking a small section of scripture and letting it form your prayers. Letting it be your prayer, turning it into your prayers, whether it's for praise or confession or supplication, or adoration, or whatever it may be, using small sections of Scripture and just going over and over and over them. I'm talking about slow, careful, biblical meditation on small sections of Scripture. One writer said this, and I want you to catch this. It's not going to be on the screen. But he said, "Why would we use our fragile human words when we can pray divine words of God?" That's when you think about that. Why would we use our fragile, kind of pick it out of the air words when we can pray to God His very divine words." In Tim Keller's book, "Prayer: Experiencing Awe and Intimacy with God." He says that the Puritans who lived in the 1600s, he said that the Puritans would often pray the Psalms verbatim. Sometimes they would pray the Psalms and turn them into prayers. And other times he said they would just pray them. They would just pray the Psalms word for word. They would just pray those Psalms unto the Lord. You can do that. It's a beautiful thing. You might want to pick out 20 or 25 of your favorite psalms. And over a period of days and weeks and months and years, just take sections of those and make them your prayers unto the Lord. Back in 2015, some of you may remember that I did a whole series of sermons on the prayers of the Apostle Paul. You can take Paul's prayers and make them your prayers. Pray those prayers. You can literally use the words that Paul prays and pray them unto the Lord. Did you know we are commanded multiple times in the Bible to pray always? Have you ever wondered, how do I do that? For example, these aren't going to be on the screen. Many of you know them well, but Ephesians 6.18. And pray in the Spirit on all occasions. With all kinds of prayers and requests, and with this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the saints. Do you know where that verse is found? At the end of the armor of God. It kind of encompasses all the armor of God. Colossians four two, devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. First Thessalonians five, seventeen and eighteen, pray continually in all, excuse me, give thanks in all circumstances for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Philippians 4, 6, do not be anxious about anything but in everything by prayer and petition with thanksgiving present your request to God. How do we do that? You see the Bible. I believe biblical meditation is a key to living out those commands of Scripture. The Bible is filled with small sections that can bring a renewed life and power, and power to our prayers. Donald Whitney is a man who has been a professor at two different major Christian seminaries. And his specific area... Of teaching has been biblical spirituality, biblical formation. He teaches on the spiritual disciplines. He's done this for most of his adult life. And in his book, Spiritual Disciplines for the Christian Life, he writes this. And this is about biblical meditation. He says this This is one of the most compelling concepts on prayer I've ever learned. Here is the simple but extraordinarily powerful truth. Meditation is the missing link between Bible intake and prayer. Too often disjointed, the two should be united. Think of what he's saying. Here's the powerful truth. Meditation is the missing link between Bible intake and prayer. Folks, too often we have Bible reading over here and we have prayer over here. And we think if I'm reading the Bible I, I'm reading the Bible. I can't pray that because that's just the words of the Bible and we've got to get past that. They are beautifully, wonderfully meant to be fused together informing our prayers. You know, as I was thinking through this on sabbatical, all of a sudden I thought back, hadn't thought about it for a long time, I thought back on a book I'd read 15 years ago. And the name of the book was Hudson Taylor's Spiritual Secret. Hudson Taylor was a great missionary to inland China in the late 1800s. And I remembered. He said way back then, or when I read the book, that biblical meditation was the key to his whole life. He would be alone in his tent, little hut, and he would take a small section of scripture, just go over it and over it, and pray it unto the Lord. And pray it unto the Lord. Tim Keller, in the book I mentioned earlier, he says, the ordinary way for getting deeper spiritually into prayer is through meditation on Scripture. If we pray without meditation, writes Edmund Clowney, our communion with God becomes poor and distant. Meditation, then, is what gives you stability, peace, and courage, in times of great difficulty, adversity, and upheaval, real meditation then does not merely make us feel close to God, but changes our life. I experience that. It's not just to feel close to God. It changes our lives. Tim Keller in his book uses three examples from Christian history. Augustine, Martin Luther and John Calvin, and he said these men were masters at biblical meditation. If you want to know the power behind their lives, it lies in biblical meditation. John Piper, in an article that I read about how to read the Bible for life change, says this, you've got to slow down. You've got to meditate. You've got to ask, what does it mean? How does it relate to my life? How does it relate to the other parts of Scripture? And all the while, praying, oh, make a difference. Make a difference in my life. I think this reminds us of the importance of Scripture memorization. Now, you can just have your Bible open and read prayers unto the Lord. Read Scripture as prayer unto the Lord. But I'll tell you, when you memorize sections of Scripture, then you have it with you wherever you go. So I once again commend to you the importance of the spiritual discipline of Scripture memorization. Now again, when I say being alone with God, I'm not talking about reading a good book, a good Christian book, as wonderful as that is. I'm not talking about watching a good Christian movie. I'm talking about spending time alone with God in prayer. And you know, when you think about spending extended times alone with God, sometimes it scares us. Because we think, what do I do? What do I say? And that's the whole purpose of this message. Open your Bibles and pray the Bible unto the author of the Bible. Now as I mentioned next week I want to share with you the most important lesson I learned while on sabbatical but this is going to flow right into it but this morning that second most important lesson is that the key the key to spending extended times in prayer is biblical meditation and as we Take the Lord's Supper this morning. I want to encourage you to think of a passage of Scripture maybe that you know of and just meditate on it. Let me give you a wonderful example, a wonderful example of this that would fit communion perfectly. Psalm 139, verses 23 and 24. The psalmist says, the psalmist prays, search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there be any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Well, that's a good one to meditate on. A good one to pray unto the Lord. So at this time, we're going to share the Lord's Supper together. If you're visiting with us this morning, one of our deacons will pray in just a moment and then the bread and the cup will be passed out together. And then... After that, I will read a passage of scripture and we will eat and drink together. If you're watching by live stream this morning, we encourage you to use this as a time of reflection and meditation in your home. And at this time, we will share communion together.